going. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Keep Going podcast. We've got a special one for you this week. But before we get to it, just a couple of notes. Number one, sorry for the delay. It's taken me a while to get this particular episode edited, produced, introduced, and out to the world. But here it is now for your ears, and what an excellent conversation it is. This is the second in our series of three, hopefully three, episodes with Paul Carroza, owner of the former Runtex, also creator of the Born to Run program. He is basically an icon and birther of what we know of Austin running culture. And so we go into another conversation with him about how we might open source a running community or a running culture. Now, much of this episode specifically discusses Austin topics, locations, personnel, and the like. But I still think this is incredibly valuable for everyone who runs and anyone who's in a community who might be thinking about what it takes to create an engaged, focused, generative, positive running community. And Paul has years and years and years of experience doing this, and that comes through really strongly in this episode. So without further ado, I'm going to bring to you the episode we call Open Sourcing a Running Culture. Godspeed, y'all. Godspeed. That was pretty smart. Well, thank you for you guys being patient. I, uh, I left my asshole at home. <laughs> <laughs> Full moon. <laughs> I had to go get it. I had to go get it. Uh, man, we are so happy to have Paul back again. Those of you who listened to the first episode, it is our most listened to episode oh, by, wow. a, That's great. by a Let's pretty extreme level. Yes. That's <laughs> awesome. And uh, this time, we really, what we're most interested in talking about or getting started with, I know Michael and I have talked about this last week. Um, we can, of course, go any direction we want to. Um, we're hoping to have a third episode where we can talk about Born to Run and your system and how you do your system and what cool. your system works like, because that's something we will have set some more. Um, in another month or so, we'll have set a few basic outlines for our listeners about how systems work, what systems are, why they work the way they work, and then your system, which is so different from most people's will make more sense where cool. if we talked about it now yeah. i don't think we've set the foundations for that but right. one thing we have set the the groundwork for which is really important is what is a running culture yeah and last time we talked about how you helped create or really built this city and this culture but i think one of the things we're most interested in now is sort of pinging across the four minds that are here at this table what will make what does running cult do running cultures need now? So maybe we can oh, start sweet. with like Austin, like what does Austin need? And then maybe think a little bit more along the context of all these other communities that we know, New York City, Portland, London, um, Sao Paulo. I don't know. I mean, all the places people run, right? Like yeah. what are we missing as a, because we're still like all siphoned built, off in yeah. our little communities and our mm -hmm. little tiny spaces. And what you built at Runtex was this much 
grander, broader, inclusive, and exciting environment. And you know, now Runtex is not here, and in the in the in as Runtex slipped away, as it as it stepped away, all these fighting divergent. Everybody was coming for some of that pie, and yeah. it got really got choppy water there for a little while, and it still feels a little Maybe bit choppy. plateaued. Is that easy to kind of say? Like, is, it, is, is it plateaued right now? Is is it, is the question? Maybe we're coming back, but for a while it was definitely a devolution. <laughs> so, you know, because Paul had set such a high standard that then things fell apart, in my opinion. But then now it feels like maybe we're moving up. But like, what what are the next steps? That's that's a broad, super broad, sweeping contextual setup. Um, and we can kind of go wherever we want to with that. So with that setup, Michael, why don't you, since I know you've been thinking about this for a long time, because mm -hmm. you were the one who was pinging me back this direction when we were talking yes, last week. Yeah, when I think about it, I think, uh, when I think about running culture, I think about um, where it is now, obviously, and what a guy like Paul Carosa is thinking about to elevate it, to bring it to another evolution mm -hmm. is there another evolution is there something we need to focus on is there something that other communities are focusing on like steve mentioned uh that are doing things well and how can a place like austin be a part of the mix and thrive and i i'm under the impression that if it's just if you're not growing you're kind of going backwards in time because time is always going to like kind of push you down a little bit so like where where is the culture where are we leaning in um because we talked about the rise of Runtex, which was fascinating to me because it's directly coinciding with the rise of culture of running in Austin. It's probably, unbeknownst to me, probably one of the reasons that I moved to this town. And when I got here, I got a job at Rogue um, 2018 or so, Twenty, maybe it was late 18, early 19. And, you know, I was into the scene but I had heard a lot of stories about the rise. And we got to hear that story from you on the last episode. If you haven't heard it, check it out. It's really fascinating. And now I've, I've ever since I've been in the town, I've been kind of obsessed about where the culture is and what is the prescription to like really elevate it to um, this, you, you know, there, there's, there's collegiate, there's, there's, the track scene there's the the early morning you see everybody out at lake austin you know track or austin high track yep. you see the the distance runners you see the five cave runners you see gilbert's group you see um super vibrant high school culture like yeah really vibrant high school culture of, and, of running and so in a perfect world maybe this is a bit of a utopian con conversation What's the next step? What, what, what do we think that people should be focusing on from the perspective of where you are now and where you think it could go? Is that, is that well summed up? Yeah, but we might want to ask Paul a question. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> well, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a lot to think about because the, uh, uh, in a sense, like I, I was thinking through over the last 20, since we set the meeting, like about articulating our, my training system because that's where I thought we were headed, which mm. I'm glad we're talking about this because that's kind of an overarching, like, uh, from my perspective, uh, <clears throat> what we were doing at the time was so organic and natural and um, a combination of personality and opportunity. Like, I'm an inclusive guy. Also, 
I think we all matter or so I think we all matter equally in a in a weird sense so getting people in the running community to feel like they matter and it's not based on your speed mm. it's based on your commitment right and then you look at like the uh, look at religion versus spirituality right and uh, so you can have you know religions have spirituality but you can have spirituality without religion mm-hmm. right so and, and I was raised Church of Christ and it was very formal and literal and it wasn't a bad way to be raised at all but it also um, so in this world when you look at institutions that have formed post Runtex and through Runtex it was necessary I think for everyone to create their identity and to stand on their own so that was part of what needed to happen and then I think the other thing that comes to mind is scarcity versus abundance Right, so if you live in a world where you think of scarcity, you think you feel threatened by other institutions or other cultures, right? And so, so that's an element. Like, so I always think break it down into what are the elements. So I did that in training. That was kind of my point. Like in training, I have elements. Like I was raised, you know, I was a chemistry biology major, so this chart of elements I keep going back to, no matter kind of what I'm thinking about. So in building a community, like. It's what is common among us is the higher, is what you're making decisions on. The eighty twenty should be com- a community. If it's twenty eighty, where we're eighty percent worried about ourselves and twenty percent worried about the community, that's what you get. So, if one of the elements of community is that you actually um, interact with someone on an appropriate frequency, mm. which is back to my training thing of frequency, intensity, and duration. So for different cultures to get along they have to actually interact in a way that doesn't have to be every day but i look at when we built the running community through companies and nonprofits i was looking for an annualization of that process so we might have done three races a weekend but that nonprofit did one a year you know, we might have sponsored every race but motorola sponsored one a year because they were their institution was focused on something else but we were able to get them to focus on us once a year Right. and the prep for that and the cleanup for that so they weren't worn out they were excited they looked forward to it so when I think about building a community I think about how do you get people to interact with each other on an appropriate frequency so we stay connected and we don't start because live and evil is the same world word <laughs> spelled backwards mm. so if you feel like you have to if you live in a world of scarcity and you feel like someone else is a threat then you have to demonize them in a way to be able to like support your community because right. we're right they're wrong right in a world of abundance saying we can all succeed we don't have to worry about what they're doing and let's stay connected to them so what how can we stay connected comes the next question right there's multiple running stores in town there's multiple training programs there's multiple races and there, it's not a homogenous centered right. like it used to be which was it used day, to be uns- homogenized in terms yeah, of in the Runtex days we were because we were underwriting so much and, and providing support support for so much that we ended up being at the centerpiece yeah. in a positive way because we were but it was kind of unsustainable obviously right so it was it had to change because it was unsustainable because we were um, we kind of went through that in the last conversation so if and, and what's fun is like uh, for example with Born to Run we've got some highly competitive kids. We're having so much fun with them. And there's this a celerity in San Antonio is a similar program 
in San Antonio, and we're at the Meet of Champions this week, this year in uh, at Texas State. And I looked at the coach, who we've become friends, and obviously um, we've become friends, but we're competitors in this club, and we're just in different markets. There's no threat, and I don't even see threats. I think I think like without them, we wouldn't be as good as we are. But I said to him, let's have a dual meet. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, that, that's great. So we're actually now scheduling a dual meet with this club in San Antonio to go head to head, just the two of us, because we, you know, it's, that's fun. So we're going to connect. If we do that once a year and it becomes a tradition, right? We're still going to want to beat each other, but we're, we've connected. So they're not that evil empire in San Antonio. It's like right. fun. Mm. Right, so we just—it's about attitude for one thing. There's no. Th- you're looking at you're looking at them as a counterpart. Yeah, yeah. Rather so, than as like. Yeah, they're they're necess- they're necessary because um, without them, um, we end up over focusing on competing in our own group. Like our kids are just flew up yesterday to Nike Nationals, and these all kids uh, in our DMR competed at different high schools they had to go through each other to get to state this year and now they get to run together as a dmr in oregon on born to run team so you can see like and i I learned when i started boxing with jesus chavez for someone who'd never been in a fight in my life all of a sudden trying to you have a friend saying hit me (laughs) (laughs) and you go through sparring with the world champion and you you walk out of the ring going like you're giving the guy a hug i'm like why am i hugging a guy that just hit me (laughs) but there's this respect from you know you there's a bond that happens when you interact with someone. That's so interesting. So one of the things you might you're mentioning here, so just giving giving a practical situation is the various constituents that are that are that recognize that are valuing their presence in the community because no one if you don't value your presence in the community, then it doesn't really matter, right? right. You're doing your own thing. But right. if you value your presence in the community, which most of these training groups and most of these different um, stakeholders have, then you have events. Right. Or, or meetups, or other kinds of um, scenarios where we s- face each other, whether that's in competition or in a charitable situation, or in a. Ver- well, I mean, you could create all kinds of different scenarios. Just something we hadn't been thinking about. We were talking about. We need a home base. Like, is there is there a home base? Maybe the it? home base is the challenge. Challenges, and you know, the distance challenge is something you. I mean, I know John knows a lot about, but Michael, you might not know. You might not know so much. It still exists, but as Paul created that distance challenge, it was sort of it sort of morphed itself. But then you also directed events in different directions. It was this year long way for individual athletes who really at that point weren't so team oriented or or training group oriented. They could compete against each other, but do the things that you're talking about, which is be face to face and then recognize you're part of some kind of common heritage, some kind of common birthright of running and what that means and how that Mm -hmm. plays out. But if we don't build the kinds of, um, I think of the rendezvous that they had back in the old West, right? Mm -hmm. Where all of the mountain men would come in after they were out in their doing all their things, trapping everything. They would all come back to some local location, have a big party, and then sell all their trap, all their things off. But every year they could have that, know that thing that they're coming back to or twice right. a year or three times a year. What you're saying is these scarcity and abundance scenario is one in which we say, hey, you kind of have to have both happening simultaneously. If there's not a, something to take away, then you don't know what you have. Right. But ultimately, are we taking anything away from anybody? Yeah. That's your point, right? right? No, we're never taking anything. This is a gift. Yeah, and I, I never was trying to um, take away someone else's customer. I was trying to build more. Yeah, 
for right. everybody. For everybody. <laughs> so getting more people involved is the solution, not poaching. Mm. Right. And uh, there needs to be different flavors. Like if you go down the training groups, you probably could hit the demographic of each training group pretty well. Each training group has a different flavor. Oh, yeah. For sure. so, yeah. So it's really not a scarcity thing, but the mindset of like building your own thing is a natural thing for us. You got to respect that it's natural. It's just you don't have to be threatened by other people like the, uh, as I tell our kids, we're not racing against people, we're racing with them. Or as soon as you learn how to run with, if you can't run away with someone, you better learn how to run with them and then hope to outsprint them. Right? So you're, so in the same thing in running groups is we're, we're not trying to take other people's runners, we're trying to build more runners. So what builds more runners? What builds that community so that people, uh, more people are going to the market? If you're building a marketplace, you want to build a market that is attractive to more people so that everybody, if you go to a farmer's market, right? You're not like have, wanting a line behind one tent. You want people There's five in, purveyors of beef yes. and five yeah. purveyors of- You want of, a yeah. marketplace. I have and a question about that. In terms of the place to meet is either yeah. an event, a competition, or something like that. It seems pretty practical. Um, maybe it could be something as, you know, run groups get together every once a month and run the same route. I mean, it's anything from that to let's go race the Austin Marathon right. together, you know, as, as a community. Right. Um, in your opinion, has there been a decoupling of the race itself to the community? Now, their race entries are probably just as good as they've, they've likely ever been, yeah. I'm assuming. Um, but is there a disconnect between the... Is there a difference between somebody who signs up for the Austin Marathon versus somebody who runs with Born to Run or Telos? And like, let me, let me clean the question up. Do you think that the community interface, the running community, Born to Run, Gilberts, Telos, Rogue, mm -hmm. all these groups, do they interface with the local events different than they used to? I mean, I, I have to be honest, I haven't been showing up to a lot of events. I, I have a weird personality that if I'm not needed, I tend to, I'm not a good spectator. Mm -hmm. and so for 25 years, we showed up to everyone because we had work to do. And so I kind of evolved out of, so I'm, I'm not speaking from current experience to say, this is what's going on at the current races. So I don't want to act like I know it all. Mm -hmm. But I think that... In the past, yeah. when you were involved, yeah. was there a consolidated effort of the local running community to show up? Yes. And some of those people were within training programs, some of the people... So how people showed up were the reason we... The outcome of having a different nonprofit every race, different set of sponsors, you had a different set of runners who were low frequency but connected to that institution or those institutions so we brought new people in because of their relationship with the institutions putting the race on so that brought in new blood then you had the regulars who were going to show up to a race all the time because that became their thing mm -hmm. and then you had the the groups were the decoupling i think had to do mostly with the retail so we always called it run uh, events training and, and gear right so we we were involved in all three in, in a high the trifecta volume. yeah that's right <laughs> so we had all of it sort of under one roof and so 
when you break that started the decoupling into um, different training groups that didn't necessarily have retail. Right. And so then Start you had to pick their own races. They yeah, pick they their had own the, shops. And, they pick yeah, their where, own training. Where do they meet? Where do they park? Yeah. Who are they aligned with in the retail side? And what events do they put on events or not? A lot of groups didn't put on events. You got, yeah, we haven't really mentioned the Austin runners club. Who's yeah, just, for sure. just merged with marathon kids, which is another institution that came out of mm-hmm. Runtex. And so, uh, those are elements. Like one of the reasons Austin was booming now among the 20s and 30 year olds is they're ra- being raised in marathon kids in the schools like this natural so that element is out there i keep wanting marathon kids to have a reunion which could be the biggest event in town like a marathon kids reunion would be so cool mm. and you could wear a shirt with your ears on i mean there's a lot of things you can do but special events are really important um i'm involved with a good friend of mine is pete inman who he was in charge of Christ Together, which is a nonprofit that brought 420 local churches together in an annual campaign around religion and spirituality. And so I, you get to see how in different institutions come together that are, mm. you talk about tribal, you know, the religions have their way. And I think it's important that people find a way, right? So religions can provide that path, but they also have found a way to come together um, in an annual basis to raise the bar hopefully to reach out to more people and stay connected so because you want the reason why you want to stay connected is so you don't demonize people for no reason just with these conversations in your own head and your own people like keep people connected realize we're all just trying to do well and do our best and you know there's there isn't a scarcity there's an abundance of goodness if you want so if you look at the elements of events that bring everybody together you got the major events we don't have as many minor events as far as i can tell no Right, so the minor events, and the, one of the last things they I, would need an infrastructure yeah. that's not available right. anymore. That's we used to there. make that Correct. happen. Yeah, right. and when one of the last things that the mayor had me do was chair the committee on this setting the rules for road closures downtown. And so it got so complicated um, getting the churches, the neighborhood, the businesses, and the run in the events on the same page. And so we went. We spent a year every one night a week going through all how are we going to keep everybody happy and and so we were it was such a we had so many events that it, it brought people downtown they became comfortable with downtown then they wanted to live there and then the people that wanted to live there were being locked in by the events that they were doing that brought them down and then all of a sudden and one of the biggest mistakes for the culture was hiring a city manager from out of austin when toby Futrell retired so i had a meeting with mark ott like the week he started and he's he came from Fort Worth, and he's like, "There's way too many events downtown. We're gonna we gotta stop this. As people are getting he didn't understand our flavor. Right. He didn't understand yeah. what so, it meant to be Austin. Yeah. So yeah. there was a you could just tell that things Wasn't were the, changing. The original Austin catch line, a city within a park. Yes. Yes. It's one of the originals. Yes. Yeah. It yeah. definitely doesn't seem like a city within a park anymore. I mean, <laughs> I spent a lot of time in parks, but, so I feel like the parks. I think parks and rec departments. The parks are strong, though. They but are. It's just it's yeah. it's just like you don't. That's not a part of maybe the highest level branding, right. kind of like that we're focusing on. 
Well, because we're focused on music. Growth. We've been, we, well, we're focused on growth, but we're also focused on music and we're focused on business and we're focused on, you know, it's, it's a little LA now. I mean, Austin is so, it's so different, but I do think underneath it, like we want to, Paul, we're really interested in doing an episode called the ghosts of town lake, oh, yeah. like all the spirits that are around town That's lake, cool. like, like all it. the things, but it's like, I do think there's still sort of an underlying Austin vibe that yeah. no imports we're all imports yeah i mean unless you're indigenous i'm sorry yeah. like you're and an input you're an import even comanches were an import back in right. the 1750s like we're all imports so we're all we're yeah, all, if you think about it, like i got here in 85 and there was like 300,000 people maybe 250 mm-hmm. if you think about the number of people since let's say 250,000 people since 85 who's moved and died like from that point on like we're probably a group of i don't know 50,000 people Maybe. have been here that right. long. The original right. cohort of Austinites. But, when we, but when we were here, <laughs> they were talking about to... the old, the original Austinites, and mm-hmm. we were a newbie. Right. And 40 years later, like, we're like... But it was so much smaller than at, like, yeah. how many, a quarter million? Just, one thing I was working on when Rentex stopped was, and we had city council, like, thumbs up at least initially was the, the intake building on Town Lake was going to become Grand Central Station for Town Lake. And they just finished remodeling it recently. I haven't paid attention to what is the plan right is. that right across from Seaholm? Yeah. I love that yeah, little location. That, There's that no parking gonna, there that too was either. Be so awesome. it's so sweet about it. It's like you can only get in, you cannot get in and out of there. So you have I to find somewhere. I wanted to be the Grand, like Grand Central Station uh, for, for runners? runners. Oh. Yes, that would be I mean, so it was cool. like, it was iced. How this do thing we was ready to run. So I wanted people to be able to come in, use the bathroom, like have smoothies. And just make Grand Central Little Station. farmer's market. Yeah. For, <laughs> so what, what I think, what mm-hmm. I think we, there's some things that we need that to satisfy the needs of the community that's outside of the schools. It's, you know, we need a, and I think the right spot is on the uh, south side of Barton Springs Pool, that's mm-hmm. kind of a dead area, the softball area there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went, I've been wanting to put a track there for a long time. That yep. was I remember a, you. a track that was meant for clubs. Mm-hmm. Because tracks are necessary basis for clubs, whether you go there three days a week or one day a week. Like, but we can't, we can't keep getting shoot off of Austin Heights track with a change in attitude. In my opinion, like we need to know that we're welcome because mm-hmm. you can't criminalize running, I mean, especially with a client, especially when your clientele are the ones paying the taxes that. They, uh, yes. they feel yes. a sense of entitlement, whether that's reasonable or right. not. There's a sense of entitlement that I pay my taxes, which are paying for the Austin Independent School District, so I should have access to the track. From the AD and track coach perspective, they're like, hey, yeah, but this is for the kids, and you're wearing the track out, and blah, blah, blah. And Austin High has this long tradition well, it's of... It's also a original partnership. It's a partnership correct. with parks. It's, it yeah. is a unique place. Yes, it is. And it should, yeah. yeah. But I agree with you. If you had that, then, you know... That would be really cool. So I guess here's, this is interesting. Wow. So are there, do we think there's a, lo, there's a, there's, we're talked about events. Yeah. We've talked about location, potential location. What about um, the idea or the concept of, um, how do I say this? Like the different stakeholders, not in terms of training groups and stuff like that, but like the users of town like hike and bike trail. Mm-hmm. That's a particular demographic. Some of whom right. we know, you, we know, have been using that for 40, 50 years. Yeah. And that's it. 
They yeah. don't actually run in their local neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. They've never run one step yeah. in their local neighborhood. They're just more Every... frustrated that it takes longer to get there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then you've got, you've got the trail the users. The, yeah. you know, tra Joe Persaitis is tra the tradition that Joe Persaitis has been a big part of, of creating that, that now Eric Stanley has picked up that ball, and he's running with that as fast and far as he can. Um, then you've got the road runners, which are, you know, most of your local running groups are associated around that. And then you have the tracks, which... You know, we've got small little things like um, we don't have, we've never had since Runtex's Runtex invite went away. We've never had a track series or a summer mm -hmm. track series like you have at in Seattle. I have, I have four athletes in Seattle, and they're doing Club Northwest's uh, local track series. I've got them running two events every yeah. every other week. They're doing a three k one mile, and I build that into their training program because they've got that access. So. Right. What other pieces like you have seen, you've been, although you've been instrumental in the road running scene primarily, and your interest in the track has always been really strong. Right. You also know that there's this other group that are, we used to call the, the town like shufflers, yeah. right? Who we always valued. But then there's also the trail runners who I know you've always valued. Right. How do you see these different sort of disciplines almost? How do we, how do we pull them in together? Because in a lot of ways, it feels like they're operating on these this is a place where Austin Runners Club's yeah. new new leadership might be able to help with some of that, right? Yeah. Like how they how how do we I, do I that? I think I, well, I think a couple of things that come to mind. One is um, I think programs are driven by a beginning and an end, and incentives and rewards. And so, if you take that mantra, you take every club in town should feel responsible to host an event that showcases their world. Oh wow! Ooh, that's heavy. because. Because that's a that's a call out. That's a call out. It's so like much different than than it being a closed uh, source group. Yeah, it's an it's, open source idea, but you only get to see our world. We get to showcase it at this. Yeah, so you time. like if if so like I've been I was very close to hosting a Born to Run invite. It just there wasn't a good weekend, and I was still trying to wait to see where our boys were competing, and like I couldn't commit myself to mm -hmm. it, but. If every institution, if every tribe in town created their special event that there was, because annualization is important, yep. right? You, you know, I don't want to, I don't want Born to Run to become an event company. I did that for a long time. And gazelles don't want to become but, an event company, but, but I put on to, a kick-ass But event. I would put on one a year. Yes, just and, like the and gazelles And the community do. would love, I might even put on a cross country and a track. Yes. Right? And I would, so, be, we, all my athletes would do it if yeah. I, I would get everyone so, I could and, to do and it. And everybody in the, my culture would love to get behind it, but they wouldn't. That's what some of our secret sauce at Runtex is. We, I knew that um, if I, Runtex was going to put a race on every weekend, you're going to wear everybody out from. You can't keep asking for sponsorship, can't keep asking the media, can't keep getting volunteers. But if a, each nonprofit put one on a year, their circle of influence would show up. They could go to the media once a year and get response. They could go to sponsors once a year and get response. But if it was us every weekend, no. But so we we became an invisible force with some visibility. But that was so. If you think about everyone putting on their event annually in the sports they're interested in, then I think we create that inclusiveness that's appropriate. Um, and you give back to the community. You also bring people in from the community, and you pick up some people. But you also you, you stay connected with people. You realize they're you know they're like I was saying earlier. They're just trying to. Do well, and maybe we use a Patrick Hit 
Patrick Hitchings fit rankings kind of mode yeah. where we say, hey, if you participate in um, the trail routes, uh, 10 mile time trial, or you do the town lake loop and you do it, you know, every, yeah. whatever, whatever you have, your born to run track series and you have you you get point structure and the teams that have then you have some kind of gala some kind of event each year that maybe is aligned with something like the margarita run so that then there's a benefit there everybody likes that or zilker relays which is always really really cool like there's these already these sort of grandfathered in events that could be useful and and maybe this is a place where having conversations with jack murray and you know who who really is at this point running the local race scene event at the major event level yeah. and we know him we've known him forever he's as it's good a guy. A, he's as good a people as you <laughs> could ever find yeah. and he wants this kind of thing but yeah. i just think you know you get to the point where you have to just take care of you we're all take sort of managing our own our own little our own little turf and what you're saying here mm-hmm. paul is you're saying to us wake up do yeah. something do something well and include as many people as possible and then and then again, we talked last week about Field of Dreams, and if you build it, people will come. Like, right. what will that look like? Um, it's really cool. That's that's really cool. It's yeah, fascinating it's- too because you never even every answer that you give, it's never a closed source answer. You're never oh, no. thinking about what you're doing. Every yeah. answer you've included is included nonprofits, you know, companies that are invited in, you know stakeholders so to speak yeah. you know we've said it a few times but there's always this desire to reach out for inclusiveness yeah and i think if you look at one thing that's always been important to me is um if you go if you go to the school system and you look at interscholastic athletics intramurals and pe where schools where pe broke down is when we got rid of intramurals because intramurals gave the average student athletically a reason reason to be fit because we are by nature and our ancestors designed to rest as much as we can get our hands on because life was so tough if you didn't rest you die so we're engineered to sit down and stay down unless something makes you get up and so to keep people motivated to exercise they have to have be training for something it's really hard for most people to train for nothing. Well, a lot of that training, that whatever that end result is, it needs to have some kind of existential dread attached yeah. to it. Yeah. Or, or else you stay in that body at rest, stays at rest, yeah, exactly. body emotion stays yeah. in motion. Yeah, because so. we also know that the body's emotion staying in motion is also really bad for our health. Right. I mean, so you I'm, look at call, you can look at companies, like nonprofits need to have something to, like if you're trying to create, a, I, my point is I want to create an intramural system. We did it once, but you create an intramural system for Austin in the running and triathlon, in the endurance sports world, which means there's no, we don't have any trouble finding races for elite athletes, right? Really. It's intramurals we're talking about here in, a, in an education model. So how do we create an intramural program that people feel like relevant to be at? They train for it. They come out of the companies. The companies have, it be, so I want to build a net, you know, I've always wanted to build athletic departments wherever we go. Mm. And I focused on endurance athletics, even though I, basketball is one of my favorite sports, but so if, cause it's inclusive. So, you know, every company and we've experienced this, they're all happy to have their team at the Austin marathon. It creates culture at their company. You get the nonprofits who are, they can even create training programs for these that benefit the nonprofit because people can raise money around their participation. Right. So, but it's really about intramurals is what we're talking about because without intramurals, you don't take care of the daily efforts that it's because I don't believe in exercise. I believe in training. <laughs> like 
so I don't, I've never wanted to tr- to exercise in my life. Yeah, I, but I've always like, seems like training. Sure like I had this visual of like, you know, in people's minds, if you're exercising, you look at the clock to see if you got your thirty minutes in. If you're training, you're visualizing the finish line of a race, and you're in your mind, you're you're training. It's a huge right. difference, right? And you're actually you, focused on what you're doing. You train through aches and pains, and you bail on exercise. There's always another day. I'll tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. If you're training for something, it's today, right? So, um, I just think that we got to be thinking about like. Um, so if you if you look at being inclusive, that means that everybody gets involved in their own production of their own sort of um, events, or they feel responsible to bring their teams to events, and it's going on pretty well here. You go to the finish line, of the cap ten, and you see branding, and so a lot of the stuff we've had in place for years. Um, and the training groups, you know, I think, um, you know, Marathon Kids is on a, I mean, we're coming out of COVID. There's, you know, people are settling down. There's a, people have been in Austin a while now. It's, I mean, it, this renaissance of human nature and what people are, um, the opportunities for people. Because you're also trying to create opportunities at some level. You got to have sustainable business models. So there's a lot of things to consider, right? We got a lot of cool brands like Atreyu in town that would be in your best interest. Because, Rick Perry taught me this is like you can always count on people's doing what's in their best interest (laughs) if you just if you think about what's in their best interest you can predict their behavior so you know so companies like yours would love to support things that would be in your best interest which is connect with people that are running because they need shoes and you got great shoes and they need to experience them because there's until they experience them they may not try they may never get to get a pair right so it's gonna be. A, you're gonna to want to get under behind some of this stuff, or produce your own annual event here. Or, you know, and part of that event. You've is, been thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. I've, I've been talking with my wife Lena about a, an annual, um, early morning Saturday folk music festival yeah. for runners. So like yeah. the long run, your where every, all the groups come, we meet at a place like Better Half or something. Yeah. Everybody goes to the same water stop up Mount Bunnell comes back down and after it's just like you know beer or non-alcoholic beer and music and it's just a community day and i was like that's kind of a vision that i've got just a community day where it's we're all going to the same water stops we all come back we all shake hands everybody's got a little booth saying like hey you know this is this is my group. This is my group, you know. Yeah. And hopefully there's people would show up to something like that. I think, but I don't want to think too far past that, which is why I'm resonating with yeah. like maybe one a year. Yeah, you don't want to is, let, is yeah. a thing. And if everybody did one a year, We're, then we probably have at least seventy five percent of the year covered. And you think about the talk about it piece, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you do a great thing that people enjoy, they're going to talk about it, and then they can't wait to do it next year. It grows organically. And so the other, the other thing that Austin's missing is a, uh, and we had it a little bit with the distance challenge kickoff, but I feel like the training groups, the retailers, the brands that are consumables, if we had, we're not going to, you don't need to get away from a, a marathon expo, but I think we need a season. We obviously know the seasons here going into when it starts getting cool, which might be December now, but the fall having a kickoff to the season which is back to my beginning and end incentives and rewards so if you have to invite people to do something to get things rolling right got to prime the pump there's a financial model so if you're doing something once a year and it's 
your way of giving back to the community, it creates a different financial model than if you're trying to make a living doing that. So you can lower the cost structure, invite people in. You want them to experience your brand, right? So you can be, I don't like to sell stuff. I like to like, I like to invite people and then have them experience it. And it leads to um, business. But I don't, I, I, my personality is I just, I don't want to invite you to something that you have to pay for mm-hmm. necessarily. So I'd be thinking like you're inviting people. That doesn't mean there can't be a business model. It's just something to think about. It's like if I'm doing this once a year, my marketing dollars, are, this would be well worth the investment. If you're not, if you're inviting people and you're, they're a guest, that's a huge deal to them because you've invited them. You make them feel special. And so that I'd be thinking about that. I think about this fall uh, kickoff of the season. That's really a, you know, I want to do, I want to see, I don't necessarily want to do, but I want to see the training, uh, training groups getting up on stage and talking about their philosophy on training and having a bunch of people sitting there listening and deciding if that's right. And that them. would be cool. And then the next at 10 o'clock, it's another group that's, that's mm-hmm. doing the same mm-hmm. thing. And you almost like you would go to the running event, yeah, breakout yeah, sessions, right? Um, and we we engineered the running a group here in Austin. They when they first came to town, you know, great guys. They were in the, they were uh, industry rag people, and we taught them the running community, and engineered that whole thing, right? So it works. I and they took say, it away, and then they brought it back, right? Yes, and, <laughs> and then they sold it for a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> but they. I'm I'm saying we can, we need to build Austin's version of because you need a safe place for people to come in and mm. and because we don't have. Because running groups don't have a, like a store anymore. You have to create a place for people to come to. Then we can take this whole new digital world and audiovisual world and capture all that and then play it. And now you have assets to play to help educate people on what you do. You know, coming into town, I'm familiar with Austin. Um, I was familiar with the groups from afar, but there wasn't the ability for me other than to drop into a run. And right. I don't know if dropping into a run, first of all, it's awesome for, it's, I'm glad I get to drop into yeah. runs, but it never really uh, demystified what the group was and what they were doing and what they were about yeah. to have something for even newcomers like, like myself or people moving in, you know, from other States for them to have that fall kickoff to where they can just go sample the goods and yeah. kind of get some, yeah, get some literature. It feels like a, it a, an expo. It, to me, it's kind of like expo meets Port, Portlandia where they have the, it's more like a living room and you just, mm-hmm. you know, you get to, cause you're not selling gear, you're selling methodology. So you get to meet and shake hands and you have a flyer for people or. It almost need to be at something like, uh, there would need to be some type of blanket macro event over yeah. it like i don't know maybe it's not zilga relays or something like that but it's like got a forum but, around it where you're and I, yeah because i think maybe but maybe it can be its own thing if there are enough stakeholders that are valued to be there so if you've got the major like conference almost correct if you I'll, gave yeah. if you gave those stakeholders a reason to be there then you might not need to do it around an event i mean yeah. i do think something like zilker relays just makes a whole lot of sense the problem with zilker relays is it's in the it's you know it's it's, it's in hot. september and it's hot and we all want to have fun and the event is incredible and it's really cool but it's not a place you want to linger and hang out and you know early morning that yeah. time of year you can manage that but maybe there's it's some the, other yeah. kind of thing or, the, or you know maybe it's a but I do think one of the things that really, I mean, I think Paul is right that something in the fall is the only way to make sense because you have 
the marathon and you have the 10K. And those are the only two things at this point in time. You do have, you do have run for the water, but you don't have this sort of full on run, all runners in the community participating in that. All the serious runners in the community are participating in run for the water, which what makes it, in my opinion, the best race in town. Right. Because everybody who's serious shows up that day and it could be a 45 degree morning and you're going to run under 60 minutes or it's going to be a 75 degree morning and you might run 70 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not 70, but 70, you might run 62 or 63 or it so always because lands it's so on the time change. It does. It's just yeah. another mysterious oh, element of that race. You and like and, it, and it, it's just a cool, to me, it's a cool event. Um, mm -hmm. It's a great and, event. It's, and you know, we built that, that um, we built that course based on what we had just, we always would do runs. That's our favorite loop. Yeah. yeah, that's a favorite loop, and um, so I think that's that's how run that's the three m half marathon we ran mm -hmm. from the north run text to the downtown one, and the original course was how you would run when there was no police control, which made it a great run if you blocked off the cars, like because yeah. you'd want to do you chose that anyway. Correct. Right. So that was part of like the magic of Austin is we would, that's what we would do. Um, whether there was police protection or not, it was a great loop. It's like the Rick Rubin approach. Yeah. Don't think about what kind of music you're producing. Just produce what you want to make. Go yeah, run the course you want to run. Right. We and then figure out how to make it official. Yeah, exactly. I, and I could see like Zilker Hillside Theater being a nice venue for mm -hmm. if it's going to be more talk oriented. Like the problem with Austin is the potential weather threats, but there's still a lot of nice days we have here. Mm -hmm. So like, it, it doesn't need to start big. Like that's the thing is like part of the problem is when you see the mature events in town, thinking that that's where we have to start and it'll never start. You well, especially be, the kind of mature events. Here. We, saw, we saw blues on the green start with yes. a few people and, and now it's all yeah. the people. So yeah. you have to be willing to just do what you love and what you're excited about and let the tips fall where they may on who shows up and then let the buzz on the street of how great it was grow it. And uh, so that's kind of how I think is just you got to go back to, to starting from scratch, be excited about it yourself, um, learn from it. But if we all you know, these are just some like st strategies, I know a fall event would be great. Now, who produces it is, you know, how that that's still got to be figured out, like what the business model is behind it. And if to me, you know, let's just say that's a five thousand dollar event to produce and you got. 10 groups you divvy it up evenly and mm -hmm. everyone pays their that's how what it costs to be a presenter this mm -hmm. event costs this much and it's a cooperative and you know, and the books are man. everybody can see the books so they know so what's simple. going on they yeah, know what it is, it is like simple that. and that's how things all these documentaries of how the things we all see globally that are big deals started it all started simple with people doing what they love what role do you think you know we you and i were austin parks and rec department and yep. most major cities' parks and rec departments are really crucial, really crucial in this regard. And you know, back when Runtex was really firing strong, we had we had we had really we had the ear of people in those yeah. in that position. Um, it doesn't seem like parks and rec. This is no, I don't know the directors, I don't know what's going on with that, but it doesn't seem. Do you feel like there's a missed opportunity or ways that the people, this, the running stakeholders in this community could leverage what we have in parks and rec department because we have these beautiful parks. Like mm -hmm. you talked about Zilker Hillside Theater. You're gonna yeah. have to work through parks and rec department to get 
use of that. Are there ways, like I think about, I've always wanted to do a young, you do a youth group, you coach young people. I always right. like to get into coaching young people. And I'm like, well, I'll just do it with Parks and Rec. But I'm like, I don't even know who to talk to anymore. Right. I don't even know how you go through that process. I don't know how that plays out. And do you think, but I guess my question is, do you think that any community's Parks and Rec department, Austin in particular, because you know some of that, but it seems to me like that's a place we should all be looking at. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, like how where's the entry that? point almost? Like what's yeah. the protocol of well, like yeah. how do you I, I I would say like when we were going in the media we're trying to get media, I would not go ask for a sponsorship. I'd go to sales and do a buy. And hmm. that for me to do the buy, I wanted the sponsorship included and mm -hmm. they would go make it happen. Right. Right. So for Parks and Rec, you know, if you go to like Colin Walls with the Parks Foundation, who's mm -hmm. Yep. Another great deep guy. into our community, <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. And you talk to him because he's living it every day, and he right. he knows the old Austin, and he's keeping Austin great. Like so, Colin Wallace is a guy to talk to. You know, Jason Mauer at the Parks and Rec. Mm -hmm. um, you can talk to James Russell at Trail, Trail Lights Foundation, but just talk to people that are um, inside on a daily basis, and they know the vibe right now and what you can and can't do because politically where the hot buttons are yeah. yep. and then what you're trying to accomplish. And is it better to have a stand-up event or a, or a barnacle, be a barnacle on a whale and, and be part of something big that's already there. But, you know, having use of parks on a episodic basis versus daily basis. It's a different I mean, beast. In, yeah, this so day and age, it's easy to think about ourselves, you know, <laughs> and, and, but it's still fascinating. It sounds so easy when you say it, but you're a networker by like just naturally. Like I yeah. know that it's you, back to that. You know what people's best interests are. So yeah. if you align those things, then it moves through. If those aren't aligned, it's roadblocks everywhere. So, but you are also deep in your heart an evangelist. I think for well, the for I, the sport. I mean, oh, I think that's sure. where yeah, yeah, that's where it yeah. comes from initially. Is like yeah. you just think this is the best thing everybody should be doing. Yeah, <laughs> they should and be running just, and they should be training. I mean, it's, and turning out, it's turning out that I'm right. You know, <laughs> so, it's very good for your health long yes, term. Yes, like, it is. <laughs> but. It goes back to like the magic because what when we were like I was a wannabe world class athlete, right? And I so am I. Yeah, so I wanted to be. So I was when I got to meet these people and get to know them. They were human, and I saw that once they stopped having world class events to train for, they were no longer world class athletes. Like they detrained, they devolved, and they were no longer really good. And so the corollary of that is that. You know, I used to be a sprinter and I became a decent middle distance runner and just not a very good I, distance running was never my thing. I've never had been on a distance run that I didn't want to be over with. But I love middle distance. Right. But so if you train, you can move a long way down the line. But I was always training for something. I want I, my goal was to break two in the f 800 till I was 40. So I spent my 20s and 30s and 40s in that routine for a long period of time which has benefited me as a coach because I felt it I was getting older I was getting slower and I was trying to stay faster so I learned systems that would kept doing that so Joe Presadis would run his age yeah on the trail so it's the exact correlate. I mean, yeah. it's the same thing. He You're was training for something that's annualized. It's back to this. That's big. Why do we have years? It scares the shit out of you. Makes your sphincter <laughs> pucker, right? You have to, yeah. has to, you have to be yeah. afraid of it. Like you're, yeah. you want, you know, running sub two at 40 is not going to be easy. It's going to be painful. Exactly. <laughs> and I never wanted to get away from it. So I was always yeah. training for it. And you know, I made it to 43 and 
I've been bragging about it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so interesting. You didn't move to 205, did you? I, I never missed. <laughs> I never missed. I knew because I went. It was at Hayward Field, the old Hayward. Yeah. It was super cool because it was the old Hayward. I came through, and, and this was after like Sheila had, had a heart surgery and Kobe was born. So our training was a little suspect for a while. And I told Barry, I was on a four by eight relay, and I told Barry Coffin, I'm like, well, the old Paul would have wanted to anchor it. Or he did, like, I was like, put me third because I'm not sure what I'm going to run. So I come through in 62.7. And this is when, like, Masters running, we was a four by eight with, like, all age groups over 40. So there was passing grandfathers, like, <laughs> saying, excuse me, like, on your left. But so I go through in 62.7. I come around the backstretch with 300 to go in Creighton. I could hear him yell, go dad. And it was something about that. Mm. And my, I've always had a kick. Like if I didn't have a kick, I would never have ran fast. So I ran 159.7. Mm. And it was like, and it was the only time ever in my life that I ran an 800 and didn't throw up afterwards. <laughs> it was like this magic moment. Like wow. I used to throw up after every That's race. Awesome. And so I, it was like, okay, that was it. I'm done. I the negative it. split works. It worked for me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, go out easy. And, but it, I'm not sure it was easy. It was just slow. <laughs> But the anaerobic system always kicked in. And so that was a, so, you know, now I go the new Hayward and I sit, I always sit with 300 to go where mm -hmm. Creighton was sitting and he, yeah, mm -hmm. it was pretty cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a neat thing. So I, to me, like if you don't, I think part of life's too is like, we get so stuck in our routines that you got to do something that scares the crap out of you. This doesn't have to be every day. Like, so having in this annual thing that you, annualization creates a pattern for you to how you operate on a daily basis right so if you have annual goals and it feeds into everything else in your life but i think it's you know i think these are just patterns of nature in the universe that are meant to be and we just just watch for them and emulate them and we'll be a lot better place yeah and they're unique to your locale so yeah. somebody in seattle will have a different experience of that yeah. than than we'll have here and they're but they are they go back to some kind of primal experience yeah. of being human and if we can tap into those things in some way that allows us to be tribes where we feel like we're battling, mm -hmm. but we're not destroying each other. Right. You know, the, the Native American cultures, they were always fighting each other. I mean, the Blackfoot and the Sioux hated each other and they always hated each other, but they didn't destroy and decimate each other's communities. Right. They just went in and did their thing and, yeah. and then I, went off to what, whatever else they remember, did. Do you guys remember the shoe company? Um, what was the one that had the knobs on it? Uh, or no, mm -hmm. UK gear, I was thinking, not the knobs, but you remember UK gear? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. yeah. I was, we were at the CEO's house in California visiting and our kids and their kids were like fighting over something. And the one that was like, he won't share. And the, uh, we were like Creighton or Kobe, you, know, you got to share. And the, and the guy from Great Britain was like, you know, sharing is a, a social skill, not a survival skill. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the greatest things I've ever heard. <laughs> and so if we're going to live in a society, you got to learn how to share. Mm -hmm. to, to survive in society. So like fabulous, right. It was just like really a good thing for me. Cause you, That's fabulous. yeah, it's really strong. It's a strong statement. So mm -hmm. we do need to share to yeah. live in a society. It's a social skill. <laughs> it's rock and roll. I mean that to I mean, me, right. that sums it up. It, I agree. You've really kind of distilled it down for me personally. It's not as, uh, doesn't even seem going into the conversation. I thought, I thought we would get some like tactical kind of, did we know i mean i'm just we saying did. like all right. like all right this is the first you do this the essence do this. of yeah. it though is very um it's 
it's very simple. It's just community-based work. Follow your passion. Follow your follow passion. Stay passion. in your lane, and and have a have an annual event that gets people excited. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just like it's frequency, intensity, and duration, and just applied to, like to your community, to what you do, and your outreach program versus your in-reach program. Like you got to take care of your people every day, but you got to have a you should have community event like once a year. Mm-hmm. That's that's just a simple thing and you it, it just worked for us for years and it was a good strategy to build community yeah we grew up in the church of christ paul and you know yeah. the church of christ started in 18 i think 1806 in a place oh, called it started with jesus <laughs> well that <laughs> they, they, they they like us to think that they it's, wanted us it's semantics they wanted us to think that but it did start in 1806 <laughs> In Cane Ridge at a revival. So it's these kinds of revivals, right? Like yeah. it's the revivals that we need. We've got to have this thing. Like this is where we all come together and we all meet and we and we we share our mission our message and our yeah. mission. And then and then we can we can jive on other people's and we know that we're hoping other people will come in for the maybe they come in for the food, maybe they come in for the drink, maybe yeah. they come in for the ladies, maybe they come for the guys. You don't know exactly why they're showing up. Maybe you we just, need a runner's pot luck. There you go. How much fun would that it be? It would be like that. Because I'm always into like, how do we bring costs down? Mm-hmm. I feel like there's so much financial stress that I hate to do things that put people in financial stress to be involved. And then they act like they don't want to do it because they don't want to say they scared. can't afford to do it. Because they're scared. Or yeah. they can't afford to do yeah. it. Right? So the, this is resonating with me because yeah. like in terms of doing business or whatever, it it's so easy to get scared and try and clam up and mm-hmm. just like hammer the fundamentals of like let's just keep this thing going in the right direction like let's just keep it going like let's wake up let's do the thing let's get it done yep. and after a while that's like there's an accumulation of fatigue that can kind of really hit you emotionally and but if there is that moment and I've been doing it recently I've I lost my passion for for work for like a year <laughs> and because I was so stressed and yeah. a couple months ago um, and even finding the essence of it more recently it's it's not that I don't love what I do it's just like I'm feeling so heavy everything feels so heavy I gotta yeah. survive like yeah. and I don't want to do anything else I want to do this I have to figure it out I have to figure it out but I'm becoming more aware and don't want to get too crazy but like the universe just keeps telling me to let go and dig into the passion, put more right. personality back in, right. you know, get involved and lean into the risk. And these are all kind of, they were fundamental to the reason that we all start doing what we're doing and kind of get a little bit out over the skis and go down the black diamond. So it's like, yep. we all start with a little bit of like, screw it. I'm going in. Yep. Um, well, I think like, couple of things that come to mind when you're listening to you is whatever you do to grow your business, you're going to need to do to sustain it in the sense that whatever you're, whatever you're doing that creates an attraction or customer that wants your brand and stuff, everything you're doing, whether it's build great shoes, be passionate about it, your social media, like all that stuff is creating your outcome. And so if you don't like your outcome and you keep doing the same thing, that's not smart you got to re-engineer it to get a different outcome. If you like your outcome, you got to keep doing that. So if you, if you want a different outcome, you have to switch up what you're doing, right? So you have to think about that. Um, that's, that's a super important thing. The other thing is, um, 
when we when I knew we were in trouble at Runtex, like I had guys that were Dell execs that had been there for like since Michael started, and they were just retiring at like twenty five <laughs> years or whatever. And one, I remember one guy came in and um, he was like, you know, I showed up to Dell for twenty five years, and Dell was falling apart, and our job was to keep it together for twenty five years, like. <laughs> If you, if looking from the outside in, you have companies and they're functioning, right? It's a company. From the inside out, it's always falling apart. And you get these moments of like that you've you've solved the problem and you get to relax, but for a second and then you're back <laughs> to like it's falling apart. <laughs> you know, so that's that's business. That's life in a sense. Right. So just knowing that's the fact, like you're not alone in that those feelings, it it if it wasn't for you, it would be falling apart. So it's your job to keep it together. But what you do to get a different outcome can't be the same thing that you're doing now if you need a different outcome. So you have to evolve. To, and that's where other people who have been down this path ahead of you can come back and in an instant look and go, you know, if you did. Yeah. Like I know, I know the guy, the Michael, when Mike, when Dell was in like early stages, he was talking to, uh, uh, I think it was his CFO probably, and they were. Michael was kind of the guy was just, the CFO was describing what they needed, what kind of person they needed to help, and you know a lot of experience. And 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 Michael was like, sounds like someone with gray hair. But if you look <laughs> at who they hired, mm. right, the guy had nothing but long flowing white hair. Yeah. <laughs> but he went in. It was even like the in the interview process. This guy um, pitched the model that end up being Dell's success while they're out on a walk talking about the situation and the job. He just came in with an this is what we could do and he came in and did it and Mike and Dell turned into Dell Computer. So like everyone's got the crossroads or points of where they gotta figure out because what's working has led to a point, but it may not be what needs to get to the next point. Right. So clamming up and like trying to take it alone is also why you feel all the weight. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to correlate that between, you know, the community efforts and driving the community yeah. and what I'm doing personally. But I think everybody's cut from the same cloth when it comes to this stuff. If we climb right. up and look inward, there's something incredibly special about inviting the outside yeah. to participate. There's something incredibly special about the basic human desire to uh, feel connected yeah. to people. And this that. is a basic nervous system thing. We mm -hmm. now know this. This mm -hmm. is if you're in duress, the only way out, the only humans can do this. It seems like, yeah. but we, we have to connect. If you think yeah. about that at 30 K and the shit's going down hill fast and you know it and you know the marathon's going to win and it's over. Right. The only way out is to connect. Right. And I always tell people, so, so you see that cop on the side of the road? Say thank you. Yeah. See the aid station, aid station person? Say thank you. Yeah. How's that going to help me? Oh, you have no idea. Yeah. Thank your coach. Thank your family. The family members that, so you're out here at 30K trying to figure out why you're going to stop doing this and you took all that time away from your kid yeah. to go run? thank your wife that she took care of your kid and you will find Gratitude a reason a you will find a reason to run yeah. like it will it will all come back around again why because you connected to the things outside you instead of staying in your own little miserable bubble yeah. that really just certain well, flight or fight like you like, just flight or fight when i've business community yeah. racing it's all, all the same. same well we like for example like who you are is important because when we've the first treus was because of you right 
because the experience with you was so positive, the, the, the second and the third and the 20th pairs because they're good shoes. <laughs> exactly. Right? So, like, you got to still... You got to strive your you shit got, together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got great shoes. Getting people to realize that is, like, I mean, you have all the supply things you got to figure out and all that, but, like, as a brand, um, I don't know if you watched the movie Air yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, you're in... I cried. Yeah. Of it was course so good. Like, you could be... I was the, thinking you, about... You can... Yeah. You're, like, so many people have thought about building a shoe brand. Mm. So, if 